Hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared and I'm one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this very last podcast of 2020. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? Um, a lot of you have, have gone through some ups and downs, some job loss, some sickness in the family, maybe even uh, the loss of a family member or friend. And um, it has been a difficult year. Um, the, the place, the one person we put our hope in is Jesus. And in fact, uh, we are closing out the series that we are in, which is called He Shall Be Called. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the names that we give to Jesus. And the last one is Prince of Peace. And Daniel does a wonderful job talking about Jesus as our only true source of peace. And so I hope you enjoy this message. I want to remind you, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, or maybe you've listened to a couple times, but you haven't subscribed yet, I would invite you to do so. Uh, Also, if you are looking for a place, an organization, a church to give to, uh, we would invite you to give to Life Church. We believe in the work that, that God is enabling us to do, um, and, and we're excited about where we can go as a church. And so uh, we would love it if you would consider Life Church your home and you would like to give to the work that we are part of. So I, I want to thank you ahead of time for considering that. And now uh, I want to uh, encourage you to enjoy this very last sermon of the year. This is He Shall Be Called Prince of Peace by Pastor Daniel Fegbui. Enjoy. In Isaiah chapter 9, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And for context, we'll be reading from verse 2 to 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 to 7. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the shadow of death, the light will shine on them. You, O God, shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They shall be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide spoil. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift their heavy burdens off of their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be filled for fire. For a child is born to us, and a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word, your truth. And Lord, we pray that the spirit of the living God would use the word of God to reveal the son of God so that everything we do today will be done to the glory of God. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Daniel. I am one of the pastors here at Life Church Canton. And for the last three weeks, we have been in a series, our Christmas series called He Shall Be Called, a series entitled He Shall Be Called. 
In this series, we've been looking at four important titles of the promised Messiah. These titles are found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. These titles give us a glimpse into who Jesus is, and they help us understand Jesus' nature and character so we can respond appropriately and so we can be strengthened in our faith, especially in difficult and uncertain times. Additionally, these four titles reveal some of God's incommunicable attributes, divine characteristics that can only be found in God, characteristics that are not shared with human beings, nor can they be attained by human beings. See, as the wonderful counselor, Jesus is the miraculous advisor, the one whose counsel is always impeccable and infallible because he knows and understands all things and all people. This speaks to Jesus' omniscience, his knowledge of all things. As the eternal father, Jesus is not bound by time or circumstance. He transcends time, yet he intimately governs time. This speaks to his eternality and his providence. And as the mighty God, Jesus is the all-powerful and divine God. This speaks to his omnipotence as well as his divinity. And finally, today we will be exploring what it means for Jesus to be called the Prince of Peace. But before we unpack this final title and what it means for us, I think it's helpful for me to provide you just some, a few historical context or some historical context about this passage. Now, historically, this book of Isaiah was written not too far after the death of King Uzziah. And why is that important? Well, that's important because according to historians, King Uzziah had the longest reign of peace in all of Judah's history. Uzziah's reign was marked by economic and military prosperity. King Uzziah had the nation prosperous. Under him, the nation of Judah enjoyed over 52 years of stability and progress. Judah was so prosperous that some even considered Uzziah to be the promised Messiah. All their hopes and dreams were wrapped up in this king. And now the king who brought them stability and progress, the king who embodied all of their hopes and their dreams, was dead. Can you imagine the devastation? Can you imagine the hopelessness? Question for you. When your hopes are dashed, when all that you hoped and all of your dreams are lost, what happens to you? What happens to your soul? Whether it's an invading army or an infectious disease, whether it's dead relationships or dead relatives, whether it's when you appear to lose everything you've worked for, what happens to you when all hope is lost? You see, the nation of of Judah had lost their great leader. And along with the loss of this great leader, they lost their political power and their economic prosperity. And now the sharks were circling them. All of the surrounding nations were plotting and ready to attack Judah. For the first time in five decades, Judah is now faced with uncertain times, with an uncertain future. Their very existence as a nation was now being threatened by foreign armies who laid poised at their doorsteps, ready to invade and plunder them. And rather than turning to God, Judah ran to pagan nations, other pagan nations, to save them. A question for you. When you are faced with uncertain things, uncertain, the uncertainties of life, if you will, what do you do? Do you run to God? Or like Judah, do you seek everyone else and everything else 
but God. You see, God, seeing that Judah has become disillusioned and that they were ready to continue in their sins, trusting in their military strategies and their political alliances rather than God, God sends the prophet Isaiah to warn Judah of coming judgment if they would not repent. If they would not repent of their sins of idolatry, the worship of false gods, sins of injustice, how they treated fellow human beings unjustly because of their race and their socioeconomic status. Sins of aligning and relying on pagan and evil nations to save them rather than the God who has saved them time after time. God sends Isaiah to Judah to remind them of who he is. And he does this by reminding them of his attributes, his characters. Isaiah reminds Judah that God is both willing and able to deliver them. At a time when Judah was likely mourning the death of their beloved King Uzziah, their so-called Savior, their so-called Messiah, God reminds Judah that he alone is their Savior and he alone is their true Messiah and King. He shifts their focus. He shifts their focus from temporary and limited kings to the eternal King of Kings. In Isaiah 9, 6, we see God being upheld, holding God up as the supreme ruler and the very antithesis to every other earthly ruler. He reminds them that he is greater than their beloved king, that he is greater than any ally that they could ever run to for help. So when we read that God is the wonderful counselor, this is meant to contrast God with all other counselors, to show God as the unlimited counselor connected to or compared to limited and imperfect human counselors. God displays his exclusivity and supremacy, his supremacy over all rulers and nations, even those at the gates ready to destroy the people of Judah. God is even over them. In fact, in chapter 10 of this same book, God reminds Judah that even their enemies are his instruments used by him for his glory and for their good. Question for you. Do you know that all your frustrations in life are instruments of God, whether it's through human mediums or circumstances, past, present, and future, do you know that all of your frustration are used by God, instruments of God, employed for his glory and for your good? They're used by God. Now, depending on your theology and your understanding of God's character, this truth can be unsettling or it can be comforting. Personally, I find comfort in the fact that the eternally perfect and infinitely good God is sovereign over all of my experiences, both the good and the bad, and that he is using all of them for my good. Friends, you see, in God, there is no such thing as a wasted experience. God uses it all for his glory and your good. Now back to, to Judah. Judah is now faced with insurmountable odds. There's no help in sight. Isaiah now writes to remind them, don't fix your mind and your heart on the problems at your gates, but fix your heart and your minds on God. He alone is your certain hope in uncertain times. Isaiah's very name is a reminder of God's faithfulness. Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation. Isaiah declares the coming of this messianic king who would be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He puts forth four provocative titles 
describe this coming king. And it's interesting to me that he doesn't end with mighty God or perhaps everlasting father, but he chooses to end with prince of peace. Perhaps this is the most universally desired quality of life. I know no one on God's green earth that doesn't desire peace. I can name no one who doesn't long for peace, whether it's peace of mind, peace in your home and in your relationship, peace at work and in society. Yes, we all desire peace, but we differ on how we define and describe this peace. For some of us, our ideas of peace is the very ability and freedom to do whatever we want without any consequence or accountability. And for the rest of us, our idea of peace is the absence of stress and conflict. As you sit and as you listen, as you think about peace, what's your definition of peace? What does peace look like for you? Friends, I promise you that whatever the definition of peace you have, what Jesus provides is so much more. Isaiah writes to these people who are in desperate need for peace. With war and extinction at their gates, they are anxious for peace. In fact, the nation of Israel had a long history of unrest and lack of peace. Dating back hundreds of years, they have longed for peace. Whatever peace they experienced, however good it was, was always temporal and incomplete. The Jews longed so much for peace that they would even greet each other with a prayer of peace. When you arrive and when you depart, you would greet each other with peace. You can even hear that today in Jerusalem. Jews greeting each other saying, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem. And the response is Aleichem Shalom. Peace be unto you and unto you peace. Isaiah writes to Judah amid war and unrest to remind Judah that God alone is their prince of peace. So what does this title actually mean? What does it mean that God is the prince of peace? Well, in order to unpack the meaning and the implication of this title, I want us to explore three special aspects of this prince of peace. First, I want us to look at the definition of this prince of peace. What does prince of peace mean? Secondly, I want us to look at the domain of this prince of peace. What's the extent? What's the jurisdiction of this peace? And thirdly, the duration of the Prince of Peace. How long will this peace reign? Let's look at the first one. The title Prince of Peace is a compound word in Hebrew. Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. Sar, Prince. It means the originator of something. It means one who rules over something. It means to be the source of something. And Shalom, well, that's a pregnant word. It means harmony, restoration, reconciliation, a state of complete well-being, to be made whole. And when you put this together as a title for God, he reminds Judah and reminds us through the prophet Isaiah that Jesus is not only marked by peace or doesn't just have some kind of peace, but that he is the very source of peace. And that has implications for how we live and what we live for. This means that lasting and complete peace can only be found in Christ. That no career, no person, no place, no experience, however it promises it, can provide lasting and complete peace. Only God can provide lasting and complete peace because he is the source of peace. And let's look at the second aspect of this Prince of Peace, his domain. So we see that God in Christ 
is the source of peace. That this Messiah, this Jesus would be the source. But what's the domain of this peace? Is it some localized peace? Well, let's look at verse 3 and verse 7. In verse 3, we hear, we read, You shall multiply, O God, the nation, and you shall increase their gladness. Now, of importance to us is this word nation hymn. This is the Hebrew word goim. This word is almost exclusively always used to refer to non-Jewish people. And so Isaiah writes here and says that, the, the, that God would enlarge the nation. This word is sometimes translated Gentiles. As you see it in verse 1, that the Gentiles will see the light. The word Gentile is Jewish slang, and not a good slang, but a bad one, a pejorative term for non-Jewish people. Additionally, it's interesting to see that this word always usually appears in the plural sense, but here it's in the singular sense. This may allude to the fact that Jesus brings lasting peace, true peace, even between Jew and Gentile, making us one in Christ, making us one new people, one new nation, because in Christ there is but one race, the people of God. But even more clearly in verse 7, we see a more explicit determination of the domain of this prince. Look in verse 7. It says, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. This is an everlasting reign of peace. This, and this is an ever-expanding ever reign of peace. This reign goes beyond the borders of Israel, goes beyond the borders of Judah. It's not a tribal, localized, segregated peace. This is a peace whose power and presence has no end because it finds its source in God. This is not a peace for one ethnicity and not for the other. This is not a peace for men and not for women. This is a global peace. Look at verse 5. Look how it describes it. This peace ends all divisions, all hate, all warfare. This is how he brings the peace. He brings an end to all divisions, all hate, and all warfare. In verse 5, you see here all the weapons and uniforms of warfare are being burned up. Why? Because when the prince of peace reigns, you don't need warfare. You can't. You don't need weapons if there's no war. And there's no war because there is now lasting peace between people who have animosity with each other. This prince of peace ushers in a, pre, a peace that ends all divisions. The domain of this prince of peace is universal. His reign has no rivalry or no opposition. This is the end of warfare. And we see in verse 2 through 4 that this now leads to immense joy and gladness, that I will no longer have to fight my battles because there are no battles to fight because the Prince of Peace reigns supreme. And so he is the source of peace. That's how you define this. And his domain, his jurisdiction is global, universal. It isn't segregated. It isn't limited. It isn't sectional. It is universal. And finally, let's look at the duration of this reign. Because I've shared with you that Judah and us, whatever peace we've experienced, has always been temporal and incomplete. And so it's great to know that God is the source of peace and that Jesus brings this peace. It's even great to know that it's a global peace. But if it only lasts for three months, Daniel, I'm done. Let's look at this in verse 7 again. It says here, there will be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. That's the domain. 
to establish it and uphold it with justice. This is a faithful, just, fair kingdom. But look at that last part. From then on and forevermore. Friends, in the words of the famous prophet from Disney, to infinity and beyond. This peace knows no boundaries. This peace keeps on going. How long will the peace that Jesus brings reign? Forever. This is an eternal reign of peace. This is a stark contrast to what we see Judah experiencing. This is a stark contrast to what Judah could ever hope to experience. This is a stark contrast to what you and I can ever hope to see in this world. The world can't offer lasting peace. Friends, this is not some temporary ceasefire. This is not a momentary peace treaty. This is lasting peace, eternal peace. Jesus is the only one that can establish and guarantee this kind of peace. Why? Because eternal peace can only come from an eternal source. Eternal peace can only come from God. Humans, finite beings, can only offer finite, limited, incomplete, biased, and even segregated peace. But a universal, global, lasting peace comes from God. So this season, as you celebrate all these other things, as this message comes to an end, it doesn't, it doesn't end here. This message goes beyond this time. This season, when you celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to celebrate all of who he is. I want to encourage you to celebrate him as the wonderful counselor. I want to encourage you to celebrate him as the mighty God. I want to encourage you to celebrate him as the eternal father. I want to encourage you to celebrate him as the Sar Shalom, the prince of peace, the eternal source of peace, the lasting origination or origin of all peace. So this Christmas, I want to not just wish you Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or throughout this season. I want to wish you Shalom Aleichem. That the peace of God would reign in your life. That you would know the prince of peace, the source of lasting peace. That you would not tap into temporary, incomplete pieces. or Peace eye, whatever the plural is. But that you would were, you were tap into the prince of peace. The ever-expanding, everlasting prince of peace. Here are some action steps to help you do that. First, I want to encourage you to read the book of Isaiah. I want to encourage you to read that devotionally, spend time in it, ask questions of it. I can provide you multiple sources, but I want you to use the Bible. This is what theologians call analogia scriptura. You use the Bible to understand the Bible. So there are many other cross-references in your Bible. Read that. Get acquainted with it. Understand the robust character and nature of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I want you to read it so you can see God's faithfulness to his people, even when they've been unfaithful to him. I want you to read it so you can be certain about God and know that you have a sure hope in him in unsure times. Secondly, I want to encourage you to choose to rest in the peace of Christ. Even in the midst of conflict and chaos, rest in the peace that Christ brings. Let me tell you how I do this. I do this by meditating on the very character of God, the nature of God, the attributes of God rather than meditating on my problems. 
Rather than meditating on circumstances, I meditate of God. I remember the 12 Hebrew boys who were sent into Canaan to spy out the land. 12 of them were sent. 10 of them came back with a bad report. And here's what they said. They said there are huge giants in that land. And we, compared to them, look like grasshoppers. But then two came back, Caleb and Joshua. We don't even know the names of the other 10. But Caleb and Joshua came back. And Caleb said, Here's the difference. So they said, the 10 said, there are giants, huge giants in that land, and we're grasshoppers. And Caleb and Joshua said, there are giants in that land, but they, those giants are grasshoppers compared to our great God. Friends, it's about perspective. If you look at your problems and you look at your frustration, you get enamored by it. It draws you in. It becomes bigger than you. It becomes your God. But when you look at God, and you put your circumstances behind it, it pales in comparison. It would be an insult to God to even call your problems grasshoppers. They are like nothing before God because God is sovereign. Thirdly, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to know the character of God. I want to encourage you to choose to rest in the peace of God. But thirdly, I want to encourage you to share the peace that you have in Christ. Friends, we live in a world that is constantly looking for peace everywhere but in God. Our season, this season we've been in, has, has proven to us that all the peace, all the comforts, all the hopes, everything we rely on apart from God can be taken in a minute, in a second even. But true lasting peace is found in Christ. Share the peace of Christ with the world. Share the shalom of God with the entire world. Or with your entire sphere of influence. Let them know the Prince of Peace. And maybe you are here. And you did not relate and cannot relate to anything I've said so far. For you, most of what I've said might have been wonk, 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 wonk. You heard Charlie Brown. You didn't even, you couldn't even relate to it because you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with him. But there's one thing you can relate to. You can relate to the race of life, the lack of peace, lack of rest, the restlessness that you feel and experience as you try to be your own God, as you try to control yourself, control your circumstances, and even control other people. You know what it's like to never truly know rest. You know what it's like to have hopes and dreams, to even think you have found peace in a relationship, in a person, in a job, in a career, in a life experience. Only for life to do what it does to pull the rug from under you. We are more connected than you can even imagine. We all know that lack of rest apart from God. The words of St. Augustine comes to my mind at this moment. Augustine writes and says that, God, you have made us for you, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You have been made by God for God, and you will find peace nowhere else. However you search for it, you will never know peace until you know the maker of your soul. So hear now the words of Christ as he calls you to come to him. He says, come to me, all of you who are burdened by life, all of you who are burdened by stress, all of you who are burdened by just being human. And I will give you rest. This is 
present tense, ongoing, keep going, lasting rest. I will give you peace in your heart, in your mind, peace with me, peace with each other. You may pray like this. God, I need your peace. I need the peace that surpasses all understanding. This this man has told me that you are a peace giver, that you are not just a peace giver. You are not just a peacemaker. You are the very source of peace. So God, I pray to you even now that you would come into my life, my heart, my soul, and bring your peace. And if you pray that prayer, I trust in God, not in my words, not in anyone else, but in the faithfulness of God who constantly and continually saved Judah and brought them peace and ushers them into this new peace, this lasting peace. I trust in that God, that mighty God, that everlasting Father, that wonderful counselor to bring you peace. Let us know if you've made that decision to follow Christ. Let us know if you've made a decision to stop seeking temporary peace and latch on and hold on to the Prince of Peace. And Father, we thank you even for this moment that even as we enter into this new year of uncertainties, a new year that's coming with all kinds of ups and downs, a new year that we have already become anxious for because of what we are currently experiencing, that you would bring your supernatural, miraculous peace because you are the eternal God who can miraculously end all division, all hate, all prejudices and usher in a lasting peace. We surrender to you even now. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this message. We hope you enjoyed the series, He Shall Be Called. I want to invite you to uh, tune back in in 2021 as we start a brand new series called 21 Days of Prayer, which then we will actually kick off an actual 21 days of prayer. Every day, we're going to be engaging in prayer in a different way. We'll be involved on Facebook Live, uh, but we'll also have some gatherings where we get together on Sundays at 6.30. That's going to be starting January 10th, uh, 6.30 p.m. I should be clear on that. Um, So uh, be paying attention to some of the announcements on that. Also want to encourage you, if you need prayer after you listen to this message, maybe there's some things that that you just want to connect with God deeper on um, and you want help doing that. We'd love to have you pray with us. You can do all of this by going to our now page. And at the bottom of the page, there is a button where you can click on for a prayer request. Also, that's all. uh, The now page is where all of the links are for connecting and for giving and for checking out some of the the most up-to-date announcements. So I want to encourage you to go to lifechurchcanton.org slash now. Hope to see you soon. Have a great rest of your day.